Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, I'm Claire Venice. And I'm Joff Lacey. We're out and about in the Petersphere. And immersing ourselves in village life in this week's Peapod. If you love Petersfield, I love the square, the hangers, the open air swimming pool, lots of fun shops, then the Peapod loves you. It's just a nice town. Everything Petersfield is in the Peapod with Claire Venice and Joff Lacey. Thank you for joining us in the Peapod. This episode sees us out and about in the Petersphere for the first of our Local Villages podcast. We've come to Sheet, just a stone's throw from Petersfield. And this small village has a very active and enthusiastic local community. In fact, you could say Sheet is the party village of the Petersphere. Sheet resident Vaughan Clark tells us about the history of the village and Susie Wilde suggests some Sheet-based walks. There have been some amazing events over the years in Sheet. We meet Will Glancy, Brian Bird and Tony Clear who have helped organise them and will be on our best behaviour as the head of Sheet Primary School, Julie Robinson, joins us too. John Walker from the Petersfield Post has your latest Petersfield news and Susie's Wild Walk is at the Severals with a skate park and graveyard. We end the Peapod with Portsmouth hip-hop collective South Coast Ghosts and their song Little Birdie. The P stands for Petersfield. I can't believe that we live in such an idyllic place. The Peapod. Hi, Geoff. Okay. yes, we had two references to birds. In the intro. So we did. Brian Bird and Little Birdie. <laughs> well spotted. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, Claire, it's been a couple of weeks. It was cold two weeks ago. It's blooming cold again today. Yeah, there's a bit of a bitter wind, isn't there? But but, but I think but there's spring in the air. You there know, is Geoff? spring in the air. We're, we're out and about it. We're in sheet. We're under the iconic horse chestnut tree, which I remember trying to climb in the 70s and 80s and failing miserably. <laughs> but, yeah, it's lovely. It's a great lovely. spot. It is you are going to hear throughout some clinking of glasses and some rowdiness because they're watching the Six Nations in the Queen's Head and I'm not jealous at all. (laughs) You keep turning around to look at the pub, (laughs) Geoff. I've kept my back to it at all times. So how's the last couple of weeks been for you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. Uh, And you, Geoff, you've come to the end of January and you're exercising. Yes. Uh, Yeah, just... uh, go back on what I was doing I was looking to kickstart a little fitness regime so I signed up to uh, run a marathon run walk a marathon across the whole of January and I ended up doing 85.99 miles in 31 days that's amazing and I raised 631 pounds for prostate cancer oh well done Josh so yeah really pleased thank you to everyone who's supported and donated Uh, it feels really worthwhile and it's not gonna be long and I can go down a size in my trousers. Well, that's a great start to the year for you. I'm so pleased. You look well on it. Thank you. What are you going to do now, though, what, for February? What are your plans? Uh, I'm going to continue with the walking and the running, but uh, I think we're, the next big thing is, a couple of friends of mine, we're going to walk from Amberley to Petersfield along the South Downs Way. We're going to do that in May, and that's 24 how? miles. I was going to say, how long is that? Yeah. Okay. In so, one day? In one day, yeah. So, And we'll finish up with a curry in Petersfield. That's the plan. <laughs> that's your incentive. It is. <laughs> it is. Going. Very good. Very good. Well... I'm thrilled that we've started our village peapods and, and Sheet being the first one, Joff. Yes. It's, it's, it's a lovely village. Lovely. It's a lovely church. We're, we're looking down Town Lane. And the, as you can see from the chestnut tree, you can see some white cottages. Mm-hmm. And I believe my father's, one of my father's relatives lived in one of them. 
Okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> nice I always connection. like to get a link to the <laughs> to, to how long I've been in the town, but yes. Well, last time we were here, we were recording at the Queen's Head pub. We were. In August for the music festival. It was a bit warmer then, wasn't it? It was a lovely day. Long it day, was. but yeah, it was a great music festival. Hopefully we'll be able to come back again this year, if they do one. I, I love coming to Sheet. Great excuse to come here. Yes, and you can't believe that within about 100, 200 yards, there's two pubs, one church, uh, the school. Lovely walks, lovely we walks. from Susie, allotments. Yes, the allotments. Mm. There's actually two allotments, one behind the church and one left as you go over the railway line. Lots going on yeah. in what is quite a small village. So Claire, we'll finish by saying, really looking forward to meeting all our guests today. And uh, here's to hopefully a successful visit to the village and the start of our new series of podcasts in and around the Petersphere. Well said, Joff. <laughs> you can tell well, we... that was not scripted. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd love to hear from you. So if you, have, if you have a story you'd like us to cover, we'd just like to say hi, or if you live in a village you'd like us to find out more about, please get in touch. We're on 01730 for a call or a WhatsApp, or you can email team at shineradio.uk. And if you'd like to volunteer with Shine Radio, do get in touch. Whether you'd like to be in front of the mic or working behind the scenes, there's a place for you. Coming up, we find out about the history of Sheet. But first, here's John Walker with the latest news from Petersfield and the surrounding villages. Hello, John. How are you? Very well, Joff. I'm loving this alleyway you've taken me up. <laughs> I only take you to the, the salubrious parts of Petersfield, John. OK, well, there we are then. I wouldn't call this particularly salubrious, but it's quiet, John. So, John, what's gone on in Petersfield over the last couple of weeks? Well, it seems to have been all about the planning, to be honest. There's uh, a new Aldi store has got planning permission to go ahead and off um, Frenchman's Road, which will be bring the number of uh, supermarkets in the town to five, I think, what with Waitrose, Tesco, M&S... Lidl, and then of course now Aldi, and that's there all the convenience shops as well, like the um, Tesco Express at the uh, station. Is it good? Is it bad? I don't know, but it's got planning permission and it's going to go ahead. So we're going to have another cut price store in town. Yeah, one might say we all like competition and variety, but five different supermarkets—the math doesn't really work, does it? Well, I don't think it does, no. I mean, you've got two... I mean, each of the supermarkets filled a niche. You had your wait, or you've got your Waitrose for the uh, more expensive... People like you, Joff, <laughs> who like to live life in the fine lane. And then you've got Tesco's for the middle range. You've got Lidl's for the cut-price bargain. And that's good stuff, isn't it? And then you've got M&S for that special occasion. So, you know, we've got all bases covered. Do we need another one? Who knows? We shall see. And what else has gone on in the planning world? Well, <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> um, Bournemouth House, uh, for those of, of you who perhaps may not remember, there was a, a very good care home up there, um, named after one of our local councillors. And... Um, Hampshire County Council owned it, shut it down very, very abruptly. 3,000 people plus in Petersfield objected to the uh, closure. 
Um, Hampshire County Council promised that they would uh, replace it with some sort of elderly care facility. And um, I think it's five years on, they finally submitted plans for a 54 flats for elderly people, only for South Downs National Park to say, that is an ugly building, you're not going to build it. So they turned down the permission for that, which is quite interesting. What the County Council will do next, who knows? They're bound to go, I would suggest, they're going to go for houses in the long run, but we shall see. And anything else caught your eye? Well, something's caught my pocket, <laughs> to be fair. We, after doing all the maths, it turns out we're all going to be paying £60 a year more for our council tax. Whether that's good value for money, particularly not when you look at the potholes in the roads. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be £60 a month worse, £60 a year, sorry, worse, worse off from April the 1st this year. And uh, that's going to be without everything else. You know, if you're a working person, you've got your national insurance uh, contributions going up. Everything else is going up. We all know about the fuel bills. And it all looks like, in total, we're probably going to be getting on for two grand a year worse off than we are at this very moment, Joff. John, thank you for that heartwarming story. Uh, anything light-hearted to finish with? No, in a nutshell. Uh, yes, of course. I mean... Uh, we were discussing this earlier. I thought it's very brave of the farmers' market people to get out there on this in this weather to actually hold a market. Um, it was obviously a bit smaller than usual because some of them were put off by the weather, and you can't blame them. It was uh, very unpleasant earlier on when they were sort of setting up, but it was great to see that half a dozen of them actually braved the elements and soldiered on and, and got it going. So it's that was a great thing, I thought. And we mentioned last time we met around the Dragon Street mosaic. Where was it going to go when they took down the scaffolding? Would it be there? Well, we've walked past and it's not there. Where do you think the Dragon Street dragon is? Well, that's a good question, Joff. A very good question because we don't know. The Mayor, Councillor Phil Shaw, claims to have seen it when he had a look around the site. But where it's going to be when they drop all the scaffolding and open it up for use in there, I don't know. So let's hope it hasn't disappeared. So Petersfield has its own version of Where's Wally? Where's the Dragon Street Dragon? Yes, Joff, all right. <laughs> Fair enough, I suppose. <laughs> but there's not hundreds of them like there is Where's Wally, you know what I mean? It's like, I think you've got... Yeah, that was a flight of dragon fancy there, I feel. <laughs> Brilliant, John. Thank you very much for catching up. I'll see you very soon. Look forward to it, mate. Cheers, bye. The Beatles Post is out every Wednesday and costs 90 pence. Worth every penny. So please get one with your weekly shop or subscribe to the digital version. As with many of the villages around Petersfield, the history of Sheet Village is a long and varied one. Originally situated on the northerly edge of Petersfield, it now extends south and west towards the town. With the first mention of Sheet in a charter dated 70 AD and then in the Doomsday Book of 1086, this small village is set around the green, which is at its heart. As we record underneath the iconic chestnut tree on the green, planted in 1897 to commemorate Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee, Sheet resident Vaughan Clark, who has substantial knowledge of the history of the village, joined us now. Good afternoon, Vaughan. How are oh, you? Fine, thanks. Yes, yes. Hi, well, right. Well, thank you for uh, 
yeah, meeting us under this lovely tree. Uh, yeah. How long have you been a resident? Of I've village? been a resident here for just 42 years. <laughs> um, and Sheet itself, um, the name of Sheet actually comes from the Saxon of for a bog. Um, because, of course, the, the uh, important point of the village is it crosses the river. It's a river crossing, and that was what really gave it its importance. And we had in Sheet, we, in uh, Norman times, there were three mills, two of which are still here, uh, Old Mill and Bridge Mill are the two mills. Now, I've known, I've lived in the town most of my life. It is, it is a lovely village. We're on the green here. We've got the Queen's Head pub. Quite rowdy because it's a, it's a Six Nations afternoon. Um, it's just a lovely village, isn't it? Well, looking down the street as we're standing here, you had to imagine in the 16, 15, 16 and 1700s, this would be the place for the mail coaches to come storming through here uh, at full speed. Um, fairly narrow for mail coaches and you wouldn't want to get in the way of one of them. Yes, because that was the main road, wasn't it, from Portsmouth up to London, came right through the village. It came through the village and the importance, the importance of uh, this area is that in the 1600s it took two days to get from London to Portsmouth and the roads were getting uh, worse and worse caused by heavy ruts in the road by big horse and carts and so the government decided a good way to improve the roads was to let every village maintain its own bit of main road and if it didn't maintain it it was heavily fined and Berriton, Weston and Nursted couldn't maintain their main road so they were heavily fined and they tried to put a toll on the top of Butzer Hill because they said the Navy were causing all the damage. And that was turned down by Parliament. But in 1711, all the villages between Sheet and Portsmouth got together and it became the second toll trust road in the UK after the Great North Road. And the, the toll road was set up with 57 commissioners. They're um, local people of standing who could put money into the road. And these... Uh, 57 commissioners had to uh, set the tolls, survey the road, put up the toll gates, appoint the toll keepers, print the toll tickets and get the whole thing going. And they did that in 18 days in 1711. 18 days. It sounds like we need something for our road uh, around uh, the town at the moment, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Replace replace ruts with uh, potholes. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So how big is the village now? About 600 people, which is about the same size as it was uh, about 150 years ago. But of course then, Sheet was a good deal bigger in size because half the Peacefield Heath was in Sheet. Oh, did you know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> Every day's a school day. There you go. <laughs> now, you have spent a substantial amount of time, Vaughan, haven't you? Yeah. Researching the history of the village. Yes. How yes. far back have you gone? I've gone back to William I's time. Most of the village was owned by uh, Durford Abbey. Uh, and they were the people who cleared the farms in this area. Lord's Farm in Sheet was cleared in the 1100s by uh, Durford Abbey. So... Up this road here would have come Edward I, was the earliest king to come through Sheet. Now, let's say lots of changes. There used to be a post office in the village. There used to be a post office there. 
post office yes. there, <laughs> post office around the corner. There's lots of been, post office has been in a lot of places. <laughs> and a hundred years ago, they were complaining in this area that the last post in sheet was 7.30 at night. And it's actually disgraceful. Couldn't they wait for the post bus to come down from Borden, which came down at 8.30 at night? And a hundred years later, where are we? The post is now nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah, if you're lucky. <laughs> And, and what's, what is the most interesting fact that you've come across in your, um, in your research? I suppose the most interesting fact that we've got a link with Australia. Um, when I was doing some research to find out who owned the land on which the railway is built, because the railway came through in 1859, uh, I came across the fact that a, a Dr Daniel Quarrier owned Heat Sheet House, which as you look down Village Street is the house behind that big wall on the left-hand side. Now, the story goes to a, a young lad called William Chamberlain who lived down in Devon somewhere. And in the very early 1800s, he emigrated with his parents to what is now the area around Sydney. And as a young boy of eight, he was kidnapped by either the captain or crew of a whaling ship. They wanted uh, an extra boy aboard the ship and they didn't have one, so they kidnapped him. The ship had lots of barrels part filled with oil, but in order to make the voyage to England, they needed to fill up all the barrels of oil. So they had a very, very good whaling system, uh, season and filled up the barrels and set off for England. Now, it was normal for ships to gather in large groups in order to see off pirates on the way. But he, the captain, was a very eccentric bloke and he decided to go on his own. And some way into the voyage he was captured by a French privateer and the crew were captured and the captain was killed and they were all put below deck. Um, several days later, an English frigate came on the scene and attacked the pirate ship. The uh, whalers all escaped from below deck and a big fight ensued and the young lad was actually injured with a sword taken aboard the frigate where Dr. Daniel Quarrier was a surgeon on the frigate and he um, dealt with his wounds and also started to teach him to read and write. The ship then came to Britain, uh, the crew was paid off, and he, Dr. Daniel Quarrier paid for the lad to stay at his house up in Scotland. Uh, he was living at Scotland at the time, and uh, fully educated him. A few years later, uh, the lad joined Dr. Quarrier on another ship, and they went off and fought the Battle of Tangiers, which was a very bloody naval battle. Again, the ship came back to Britain, uh, and uh, the crew was discharged and Dr Daniel Quarrier paid for William Chamberlain to be sent to Australia as a passenger, not as a convict, on a passenger on a convict ship to Australia where six years after he left he was reunited with his parents. He became a great favourite of the Governor of Australia who um, he attended lots of dinners and recounted his story and he went on to become um, Australia's most famous whaling captain uh, Dr. Daniel Corrier went on to become inspector of ships and hospitals in this area and became deputy Lord Lieutenant of Hampshire. <laughs> That's Excellent. remarkable. Remarkable story. Brilliant story. Yeah. That's a good question, John. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so, Vaughan, thank you very much right. for joining yeah. us today. There's so much more I'm, I know we could find out about sheep. Yeah, yeah. And maybe we'll come back another day and, and find out Please a little do. bit more. Please do. That'd Thanks very lovely. much. Thank you, Vaughan.
The P stands for Petersfield. Petersfield is special to me. The Peapod. Susie goes walking at the Severals for this week's Wild Walk, along with a skate park and a graveyard. I hope you can hear children's voices because this is unexpected. We're in the middle of our walk and we're at the skateboard park just having a look at, obviously, young Olympic or, you know, future Olympic champions. We're at the Severals. But I'm just going to leave it here because I know where I want to chat to you. But I haven't managed to find out why it's called the Severals in all this time. So if anyone knows, please put me out of my misery. Richard and I are sitting on a bench in the sun in the small cemetery that we've just come to, which is quite close to the skateboard park. Um, but a completely different day here. It's quite sheltered and we've just passed a very new bit where the gravestones are just tiny squares. And just coming through, there was one sort of like gone are the days we used to share, but in our hearts, you'll always be there. And I thought, you know, it's just, if you're not emotionally involved, that's just kind of trite doggerel. But it's obviously given huge comfort and it's really extraordinary. It's no good crying, I'm speaking. Um, perhaps she prefers pure poetry. Um, but I remember when my mum died, somebody sent me um, You'll Never Walk Alone, which actually makes me almost laugh telling you. And I just listened to it and listened to it in floods of tears. And it just shows that when there's high emotions, sometimes it's the, just actually the really simple stuff that cuts through. Anyway, so here we are in my usual sunny way. Now we're talking about death as usual. Um, But the sky is blue. It's so different from the last time I walked in that awful sort of grey mizzle. Um, So I hope you're feeling as spring-like as we are. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, And I'm in the right gear. I'm in my Plutoloppy. In fact, Richard's in his Plutoloppy as well, our Icelandic sweaters. And that's just lovely. We're looking resplendent. Rain, you're being very naughty. Um, I think she wants to go back to the skate park and get in amongst them. But I was also um, wanting to share with you the fact I've discovered somebody new on Twitter. This is when Twitter is really interesting. Um, Dr Eleanor Kaufman, um, who's a brain specialist. And I don't know about you, but I completely suffer and I bet you do too from let's call it top dog or inner critic or imposter syndrome or whatever it is that's in the brain going well you're useless or call that a bit of doggerel it's not even worth putting on a gravestone or whatever hello Hello, chaps hi oh (laughs) you tell her (laughs) right good an amorous Labrador. But what intrigues me about this is that there's actually a bit of brain, which is a strip like a Mohican through the centre, which um, is the inner critic. So when your brain, you think you're 
not thinking or trying to not think, it goes into overdrive trying to be helpful and predict the future for you, which it's really bad at. Um, So don't listen to it. So whenever he says, oh, don't try that, you're going to be hopeless, ignore it. I know I loathe to say it, but it's really important to be positive. Now, you're going to be going, like we were. But that's not be positive about the future and say, oh, I'm going to win Miss World next year, which is clearly rubbish. But it's be positive about the small things you did. So, today, um, I finished my final edit. That's massive. That's a huge achievement. And normally, I'd just be thinking, oh, I bet no one will read it, etc., etc. So, that's just rubbish. So... We're going to move on. This is a lovely walk on a lovely day and I'm going to be really positive and think, I'm quite a good dog owner. And she's lying down quite sweetly and Rich is managing to not laugh when I make that statement. So I view that as a win-win. So I hope you have a lovely week and speak next week. Coming up, we hear about some of the incredible events that have taken place in Sheet, speak to Sheet Primary's head teacher, and bring you our latest What's On Guide. Before that, we're delighted to welcome back to the Peapod our favourite wild walker and yours, Susie Wilde. Hi, Susie. Hi, Claire. Lovely to be back with you. And my favourite wild walker is with me, Rain. As in the dog. <laughs> we are, we're glad it's not raining this afternoon. Oh, nice one, Joe. <laughs> See what I you did I just, there. I thought I'd just sneak in there. Susie, how are you? I'm really well, Joff, thank you. You're looking very fine, might I say Stop so. It. <laughs> Marathon man, Marathon, my favourite. I've been called many that many a time. <laughs> For different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of marathons. (laughs) Moving on. So, Susie, thank you for joining us. Now, I I believe you're going to talk about some of your favourite wild walks in and around Sheet. So, I've been told. (laughs) (laughs) So, if you were new to the village, where would you go? Well, first of all, I'd go to the pub and speak, which is exactly (laughs) what Richard and I did. And said, where are the walks here? Um, And the very easiest one that I'm about to do shortly afterwards is literally to go past the pub, leaving it on your right, head down towards Mill Lane. And when you see it, turn left. So that's just past Sheet House. And then if you continue there, it's a really nice little river walk. And you come to the Millennium Fields and you can just... You know, everybody does that in the mornings. I actually came across that walk a couple of Sundays ago, actually, because I've started walking uh, again with my friends, and uh, we'd gone over Cain's Farm, Durley Marsh, and came back over by Sheet Common. We thought, well, let's extend it a little bit further. So we came, got to Mill Lane, and then I thought, let's turn right, and then we went over the fields, and it's the first time I've ever been across the And it's beautiful, it's full of snowdrops at the yes, moment. Yes, it was, it took us, across to, took us across to uh, the golf course, and uh-huh. then we followed it round to Steep Marsh, past Alec Guinness's house, and back. Indeed, and one of our favourites, I was going to say, is exactly to do that, <laughs> so, so watch out for golf balls, um, but yes, go across there, and then you come round, it's quite easy to follow, you come past the Harrow, or in our case, always into the Harrow <laughs> for a drink, and, um, and I do everything navigation by pub, because born in Portsmouth, if anyone asks for directions, you always direct them via pub, not by length of walk, or or road names or anything you know so you go down past the Fossa Inn to get to Fratton Park for instance (laughs) 
Pastor the Shepherd's Crook. Pastor Shepherd's Crook. Depending yeah. where you live. <laughs> now, I've done a, a wild walk with you, Susie, as well, from here, actually. And um, I know you do quite a few in lockdown. Is there a really long walk that you could recommend? If well, you can string it Sunday? all together. Mm. Um, one of our favourite ones that we did is coming out of the house, walking down to the tarot, going through the tarot, turning left and to go to the back. I don't know what you'd call that, but it's right at the back of, I suppose, West Harting. And then you would walk through to Sky Farm. You would then turn left there for us, go through where you and I walked, through to Durley Marsh Farm, quick cup of tea and a piece of cake in the tea barn, and then on past that um, and through to home on the back way, back to Sheet Common and so on. That sounds a really nice walk, but not so many pubs. No, that no, that's obviously why it slipped my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but the tea barn, I managed to get, well, I say I managed to get cake and I can't stand sweet things. So it's just not for me at all, that aspect of mm. it. Yeah, I'm more of a, I think I've discussed this before, I'm more of a pastry and savoury guy yeah, rather than a, I'd rather have a second, I'd rather have a second starter than a dessert. Oh, any day. <laughs> talking my language um, and also I'm thinking of others around here it depends how short you want to be but one of my favourites is literally to go past stepping stones so it's very close to our house where I used to collect the godchildren when they were tiny and just literally go around the wreck there and what I love about the local walks and particularly all through lockdown is that you would actually still get to see people um, who are in the village and you know just say we're thrilled to have moved from Chichester that's just been voted the worst place to live for unhappiness. Is that the case? I thought it was, I thought it was for happiness and the number of, number of sunshine hours during Always the winter. Always used to be, Joff. And well, they so don't come the in sunshine my... <laughs> won't have changed. <laughs> yeah. But all the other factors, like huge housing states, sewage in the sea... Local bank managers. Local <laughs> bank managers are particularly mentioned. <laughs> but that's what's great about that's what's so great about villages, isn't it? Really, you have that great community spirit, and you get to meet people as you go off out and about on your walks. So, I know, and Claire. I mean, we're recording this underneath a tree that I absolutely adore, and we're so lucky to have it. There's even I can see some fern growing on one of the branches, so it's so healthy and wonderful. And I think you're talking to Will later. Will's got a fabulous film that he did by drone um, which goes right up above the above this tree I think famously crashed into it as well yeah so there used to be a swing here until health and safety kicked in I believe and um, we weren't allowed to play on it anymore just in case we broke our necks it was that long ago Th- that long ago yes <laughs> oh no but it, it was here for years oh so um Susie, thank you for joining us we do love listening to your wild walks thank you long may they continue and uh, we'll join you in the pub very, very soon. Excellent. Lovely to see you both. Thanks, Thanks Susie. The Peapod Events Guide. What's on in the Petersphere? Back by popular demand, LDN Wrestling is coming to the TPS studio on Saturday the 12th of February. Doors open at 6.30pm with the first bell at 7pm. Tickets start from £15 and can be purchased online at thestudiotps.com. The South Downs Camerata is holding a concert and tea and cake event at St Mary's Church in Lys on Sunday the 13th of February. The concert takes place at 3.30pm and is free to attend with the retiring collection raising funds for the Rural Refugee Network. 
The Art in the Barn workshops are back at Meon Springs, taking place from March the 17th until the 22nd and run by resident artist Alison Butler. There's a wide variety of classes to choose from. For more details and how to book, go to bloomingdesigns.com. And if you'd like to volunteer some of your time, Homestart Butzer are currently recruiting to help support local families with young children. The next volunteer preparation training course begins in March and will run for 10 weeks on Tuesday evenings. For more information, go to homestar-butzer.org.uk. If you'd rather stay in, there's always your local radio station, Shine Radio, to listen to. You can choose from a selection of great programmes, which are available to listen to on demand or tune in to the brighter mix of music, local news and weather. There's a new episode of the arts and entertainment programme, The Ticket, from Shine Radio's Laura Shepherd. This month, Laura meets an event organiser, a portrait artist, a lady with crochet skills, a professional lutenist, and if that wasn't enough, finds out about a local jazz club. To listen to The Ticket and other programmes, tune in to shineradio.uk, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And to find more local events, you can go to shineradio.uk forward slash events. If you're running an event, get it in the guide at shineradio.uk. From music and film festivals to reenacting the Battle of Trafalgar with a 60-foot boat and a water balloon fight, it's fair to say Sheep Village knows how to have a good time. Claire spoke to Will Glancy, Brian Bird and Tony Clear in the comfort of Will's home, complete with crackling fire, who had more than a hand in organising these events. I'm here with various members of the Sheet Parish Council who have been instrumental in setting up some quite incredible and uh, rather fun events in the village. And really, I don't think they could have happened without the wonderful contribution of Will Glancy. Will, hi. How are you? Uh, how are you doing? Great, thank you. Thanks so much for, for talking to us about all the wonderful events that have happened in Sheet. It's not just me. I've got my wonderful... Collaborators. We're a team. We're collaborators. Yeah, we're, we're, we're team sheep. We're, we're team sheep. Will's the mad leader and we are team sheep. He says do it, we do it. With Brian and Tony, Brian Bird and Tony Clare. Now, how long have you all worked together to put on events in Sheet? Oh, my God. Um, probably about 20 years, yeah. 25 yeah, years. At least 20 years, yeah. 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 Really? Yeah. And who's the brains behind the events? Um, <laughs> well, Will's the idea man, uh, and we sort it out later. <laughs> he comes out with the idea, I've got an idea, TC, we want to build a boat. Yeah. And it's about 20 metres by 4 metres, etc, etc. And then we all sort it yeah. out eventually. When I mentioned this at the Sheep Parish, no, it wasn't Sheep Parish, it was a sheet, sheet village association, association meeting. We used to have yearly events, duck races and things like that. And um, one year, uh, it was 2005, we were at a meeting and for some reason I just thought what a wacky idea it would be to build. I'd seen on the web these wild slings, like a... It's a water catapult, isn't it? Like yeah, it's a water balloon filled with water. Okay. Water bombs. Yeah. Yeah. And so you fill up these little water bombs, which actually surprisingly take quite a lot of water. Um, and you, they're balloons, really. Time up. And then you've got these, these kind of slings. It's like a massive catapult, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. A, a big catapult. Yeah. And two uprights. And, and so we experimented by just getting a couple in 
and um, attaching them to a couple of posts on the millennium field and then giving them a shot to see how far you could actually you pull back the bit of plastic in the middle you put your water catapult, your water balloon in the middle and you put it back as far as you possibly can we were absolutely gobsmacked. Oh, they, they must have gone a good hundred yards. It was amazing. And we had we built a absolutely boat. Absolutely amazing. Maybe, how long was the boat? Twenty meters long, perhaps. Yeah. Something like that. It was, it it was, was about, about sixty foot. It was a copy vast. of the Victory on it the top of the hill, and then a, a little Bucalor, the the other ship down on, yeah. on the Dell, and then we must have had maybe twenty five of these big catapults on the Victory, yeah. and we had teams of children um, stepping forward dressed as pirates and shipmates firing these water balloons at the adults dressed as as the baddies down on the Book of Law. Um, and it was a mad day. It was, yeah. it was an they absolutely all, mad day. They also, we also organised raiding parties, so the kids had yeah. bucketfuls of water, water pistols, anything that could cause trouble, and they raided the French ship. And so we said, off you go, so they raided the French ship, drained all their parents with water, yeah. and when they captured one, they had a plank, they had a plank organised <laughs> uh, on the ship, and a big paddling pool, so then they had to walk the plank and drop into the paddling pool. So you can imagine the kids, so here we are, this, <laughs> charge onto your parents, tooled up with water, and do what damage you can. It was great fun. It, it was a really fabulous day, it really was. It was part of a nationwide celebration, um, and I think as was the yeah. best. Yeah. <laughs> now, you've also organised various film festivals here yes. and music yeah. festivals, yeah. mainly based around the Queen's Head pub. Well, yeah, we, the Queen's Head has become our natural kind of home for things like this. We used to kind of rotate between the centre of the village and the Millennium Fields. But actually the film festival, which we started eight, nine years yeah, ago, yeah. Brian, Tony, me, uh, there's quite a lot of helpers. We had a big committee. We thought we'd try and find something that was a little bit possibly less dangerous. So we encouraged all the kids in the village to make their own films. We gave them a theme. And so we've built up actually a fantastic archive of films going back to the early, well, well early 80s, well, mid 80s, some of them aren't yeah. they? The really yeah. old ones are you really old films. Yeah. But from the film festival, which is what, 10 years ago. Mm. So we've got this whole YouTube channel where we've put all the films, including the, the Nelson one. Well, we had all the balloons. We had TV coverage. They came down and filmed it. And so we've got that all on film on on our YouTube channel. That's brilliant. I didn't realise that was available to watch whenever so you wanted you go to. to www.sheepfilms.com, you should find it. And if you have any difficulty in finding that location, Pop me a line and I'll send you the link. I'll have a look. Now, talking of filming, yeah. you're quite famous around here for your drones. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a bit more about that. Oh, uh, yeah, well, we kind of got, got... I just got fell in love with the idea of the drones when they came out. Well, I used them on our first... some of our first films for the film festival. And there's a very famous... There was a very good bit of filmage uh, for one of the film festivals where I start the drone off. Um, it goes right up to the tree 
uh, run up to the big tree there, and then someone jogging past me in the morning going, morning. So I turned around, looked, I looked to see what it was, took my eye off the drone, it was then next thing I knew it was stuck in the middle of the tree. So uh, we made quite a funny film about that, which again is on the website. And you also very cleverly managed to put the lights around the tree for Christmas oh, yes. this year, didn't you? That was Mission Impossible this year. <laughs> Mission Drone. It went very well, actually, until the last minute. Until the last minute. Why? What happened? Oh, we, we, we got four lines of lights up. Somehow, a couple of the lines got broken. So Brian and I thought well, it would be a good idea to replace them. And what we did was we used a attached piece of string with a cord to the bottom of the drone and I flown it right up above the tree, past the tree, and then come down. And then we just attached these lines of... That's right, used it as a drawstring to pull yeah, the lights up over the tree. Pull the lights back over the tree. So we were doing famously on our second attempt until unfortunately um, the drawstring that was going up with the drone got a bit snagged. As a result of slightly poor communication um, between the drawstring person and me, the pilot, uh, the drone got swept into the tree, and that was the end of that. Black Hawk Down. So mm. yeah, Black... they look good. You Two. can see them from Mog's Mead. It's like the sheet eye. <laughs> yeah. Are they still up now? Yeah, yeah, they're going to stay there next stay. year. Yes, yeah. I think no, they so. won't come down until they rot down, really. No. <laughs> That's right. They won't stay. They will stay there now. That's brilliant. So, so we've got always got you know two lines of lights, and they look great. Yeah. One day, Will decided me of one of these things. He said, I think we'll have a duck race down Village Street. <laughs> I said, slight problem, Will. There's no water in Village Street. Ah, TC, he said, I can organise that. So he built this platform and had this massive great paddling pool full of water and all the ducks were placed in front of it and then he collapsed the platform and his safes and gallons of water went down the street straight over Vaughan Clark's feet and all the ducks, they went from here right down to the bottom of Village Street there was so much water. Yeah. So that's where Vaughan and the ducks race in a yeah. road. We need to do that again because that, that was the funniest thing, wasn't it? See Vaughan's feet taken from under oh, yes. was the yes. funniest thing. It was a wheelie bin trying to follow the ducks yes. down the road. Yes. We never thought it would work but we'll have the vision... <laughs> <laughs> the other fun I thought was quite funny we said we were going to have red arrows flying over the Millennium Field so um, that was organised people said they can't have red arrows it's obvious it's organised but what we actually did was paint barrows wheelbarrows red and we had little people in there with their arms out like to look like a plane so the names that then went oh the red barrows have left left Guildford um Oh dear, there's a misprint in the programme. Sorry, it should be the red barrows. And all these chaps came out of the wood with these red wheelbarrows, <laughs> their little dummies straight in them. That was another, that's another fun one. That was really fun. I think probably the maddest, maddest thing that Will ever decided to do was to cook a pig in a hole in the ground wrapped in a mattress. <laughs> <laughs> and then feed it to people. That was... Will, tell the story. Where did that, that idea come from? It's a New Zealand thing. Yeah, it's a New Zealand thing. I think that was, that was a collaborative effort. We get in constables. That's right, a, yeah. To get a grave, basically. And we just filled it with logs and let them cook for... a burn off for two days. And then we put the pig 
in wrapped up in baker foil in the hole and left that for about two or three days. I uncovered the thing and found that it was partially cooked, but not completely. I had to carve chunks off and put them on the barbecue. But it was still, uh, it was. It was fun. It was a bizarre day, yeah. digging a pig up and eating it. Yeah. yeah. The police have been going by. <laughs> we, threw, we threw the pig away and hit the log, basically. Yeah. <laughs> It always seems that there's something interesting going on in this village, and uh, it's thanks to you, Will, and your incredible imagination, and to the uh, the rest of the parish council to, to make it happen. Yeah, and my collaborators. Yeah, know. absolutely. It's been very good fun. Yeah. It's been lots and lots of fun. It's created a lot of fun for a lot of people over a long number of years. It's been great fun, yeah. really serious good fun. But the beauty is that we have the archives of all sorts of stuff that have happened around sheep. The last 20, 25 years, including all the film festival entries. So if anybody ever wants to go and have a good laugh, as I say, it is um, on the YouTube channel. And, and watch out for a particular king, is that right? Oh, yeah, and there's, yeah, well, yeah, he's just part of my... Pops up. Yeah. yeah he pops up, anyway. And watch out for the full Monty, too, that might be uh, banned. Yeah, 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 full Monty, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you very much, Will, Brian and Tony, for, for talking to us about the fantastic events in Sheed. You're welcome, you're welcome. And hopefully there'll be lots more to come. I'm sure there will be. Many thanks to Will Glancy for his inspiration and amazing ideas, who is affectionately known as Chief Nutter by his Sheet Village friends. Set in beautiful grounds within the village, Sheet Primary School is, according to their website, a bustling, busy and happy school. <laughs> With a new library and emphasis on learning, as well as having fun, head teacher Julie Robinson joins us now to tell us more about the school. Hey, Good Julie. afternoon. Hello, how, how are, you? are you? I'm very well, how are you? Very well, very well. What a lovely village. It is beautiful. We have lovely families that attend our school. Um, and yes, we are happy, bustling, uh, bus bustling and fun place to be. And it must be lovely coming to Sheep every day to come to work. Yeah, we're an archetypal village school uh, with great children, great staff. And yeah, we're doing really well, thank you. And how long have you been head teacher at Sheet? I've been head teacher for six years. Uh, I started uh, six years ago in April, so it is just about six years. Um, yes, and we have been developing our curriculum in that time and thinking of different ways to engage the children along the way. And how did uh, the pandemic affect the school? We did uh, close our doors uh, for a couple of months but generally we have been open all the way through. We've done remote learning uh, for the families at home um, and also supported any individual children that needed supporting. Uh, it was a tricky time. I'm not saying it's easy now to be honest. Uh, we've still got lots of children coming into school um, but we do have about 10% off at the moment with COVID and a couple of staff members as well but we're going through it and we're trying to get back to normal we've got school trips going on we are singing at petersfield music festival in a few weeks and we managed to get off on our residential last summer so all is good nice and so what changes have you made since you've been head teacher oh that's a good question <laughs> <laughs> um i we 
always attend uh, the O2, although it has been cancelled for the last couple of years, uh, to do singing. So I do a lot of the singing there. Um, I've just tried to put in new and different um, trips uh, to engage the children. We've worked on the curriculum so that we've got the knowledge and skills but still have some fun along the way. We do have quite a few new staff members since I have uh, been at the school. So, uh, yeah, just generally working and working away, trying to make it the best that it can be. And how many, how many pupils do you have? We have 102 at the moment. So we have a few vacancies. If anybody wants to join Sheep, just come along. Um, yes, so 102, happy families. And that goes, you go from year R through to yep. year six. six? Year R to year six, yes. Cool. And uh, then where do most of the children go? Do they go TPS, churches, or is it...? Yeah, mostly to TPS. Some go private, uh, some go to Bowhunt, uh, but generally it, it is the feeder school for TPS. And I believe you've got a new library. How long has that taken to come to we fruition? We do. Well, I suppose that's one of the things. When I arrived, that's one of the things that I jumped on. Uh, we had library space in school, which was in the corridor, which wasn't um, ideal. So we started fundraising. And I think it probably took us uh, about two years to raise the funds. We had a great family, uh, a gentleman who's an architect, who uh, did all, all of the architectural fees um, for free of charge and we managed to get our building up uh, just before the pandemic actually and it's a wonderful learning space we've got lots of books we raised lots of money to for lots of books and lots of secondhand books came in so we've got jam-packed full library and we have used it in during the pandemic we used it for one of the bubbles so that we were able to um, spread the bubbles out through the school with quite a small school and not a lot of space that was one of our challenges so we were able to use that and we haven't actually had a grand opening yet Ooh. so that might be something that we should do another thing I just recall that we did we had a local artist come in and do a sculpture at the front of the school uh, which features the birds because all of our classes are named after birds uh, so we worked with copper with her and all the children designed and made the structure that's outside the school um, as we see it today so you say you've got spaces available for for more pupils mm -hmm. do you have to be a resident of the village or no do not you at have all. a catchment area that there is a catchment area but we do have a lot of children uh, from the Clanfield area a lot of children come across from Liss and from Petersfield town centre itself so it's just one of those schools that if you're looking for a school placement for your child and you're looking for a more nurturing and village type school, then ours would be one of the ones that you would go to to have a little look round. And finally, what's your plan for, for 2022 for the school? I think my plan is for everybody to be happy, uh, for children to enjoy coming into school, for staff to be happy in school. It's it's quite a difficult place to work at the moment. It's a quite a stressful place to work. Uh, we're trying to get back to normal, but it's, there are lots of things that are stopping us from getting back to normal. Um, I just want everyone to be happy for us to give the best that we can give and for our children to be the best that they can be. Excellent, Julie. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, good luck 
for the school at the music festival and good luck to you and the school for 2022. Thank you. Lovely to speak to you. And that's it for our Sheet Village Peapod. Thank you for joining us. Thanks also to our guests, Vaughan Clark, Susie Wilde, Will Glancy, Brian Bird, Tony Clear, Julie Robinson, John Walker and the many members of Sheet Village. And as well to the community-minded team at Shine Radio who support the show and help to put it together. We end this week's Peapod with alternative hip-hop collective South Coast Ghosts from Portsmouth and their single, Little Birdie. So from Claire and I this week... Bye. Uh, little birdie, come fly to me. Nice to be free in the breeze, free fall easily. Free form poetry, bees knees rise to be more than elites. For hopefully, see saw somersaulting on a clear morn, living with no fear. I give in to condition all my tears. Listen here, it's important to listen, but not adhere to distorted thoughts that be talking inside of me. Ignored them for years, it's clear In society, applauding veneer A certain bittersweet irony To fly the nest, your best investing wings You spread lesson, learn birds Turning beds, worms aren't burning up the stress You keep stumbling You keep tumbling
queen of the borders. I wanted to get a head start because I don't think I did the previous year. King of the allotments. So I've always been keen on gardening, forever. Petersfield Gardening Royalty. Growing together on Shine Radio. Give it a go this year, you never know, and we're here on hand if you have any questions. Growing together with Claire Venice and Steve Amos. New every month and always online at shineradio.uk. 